the vibes! Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. Myself, Momoochi, alongside me as always, the one and only Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, how are you doing? Real name, no gimmicks. Let's get it, Mo. I'm just excited, man. I watched oh, some great basketball last night. Oh. I saw some amazing games. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. <laughs> but you know what? Incredible, incredible you know basketball. You know what I saw? I was watching ESPN and um, producers and people from ESPN, if you're listening, because I know you are. And uh, they were talking about the Knicks. And okay. they were talking about Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks and this and that and this and that. And then they said, Brian Windhorst of ESPN said, or oh, Scott Perry said on a podcast, da, 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 da. Brian Windhorst, this is the Hoop Genius podcast brought to you by myself and BJ Armstrong with the help of NBA 2K24. If you're going to quote us and use our show for content, <laughs> then it would be great if you could at least mention the show name. <laughs> Shout out to Wendy. No. Shout out to Wendy. No. Shout out to Wendy. No. Shout out no. No. No, no shout, shout out. out to him. Shout out to the fans who tagged <laughs> me in it saying they're talking about your show. Put some respect on our name. You talk about JJ Reddick's podcast. You talk about Patrick Beverly's podcast. You can talk about ours and you can respect the name. This the Hoop Genius <laughs> Podcast. They're going to respect us, and I'm going to make sure of it. Anyway, I had to address that. Okay. I had to address that. BJ, are you worried about Bradley Beal? A video came out this week of him shooting jump shots, and he did not look like himself whatsoever. He looked almost like Markel Fultz looked after his accident with his shoulder, um, where his jump shot form changed quite a lot. He's obviously still out for the Suns. The Suns, the game that you're talking about that got you excited was when they lost in the last dying embers of the game against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, are you concerned at all about Bradley Beal? I have no idea what's going on with him. It's It's been very quiet there in Phoenix. I happened to have been at the game and saw many of the personnel with the Phoenix Suns. No one mentioned anything that was revealing or seemed concerned about his return. So I'm just going on what I saw. Now, if there's something here I didn't investigate, I'm not looking behind the scenes. Certainly, I, I was excited to see him and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant play. Unfortunately, Neither one of them played the night that I happen to have been in the building. So we'll see what happens. And but I haven't heard that. So you're you're the first one to bring that to my attention. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, that's just something I'm keeping an eye on. But today we've had a bunch of questions in the Discord server. Oh, and, and guess you know who's the, back. Guess yeah, who's back. Yeah, the, the people the, are back. The one thing that I love is our listeners ask us some of the most complex and intelligent questions out of any basketball show in the world. So shout out to you guys who listen. Shout out to you guys in the Discord who send in your questions. If you want to submit your questions, you can find the link in the description of the show. Uh, join our community and you can join the tab that says let us hear from you and you can put your questions in. BJ, you ready to answer some of these? Let me just pull them Let's up now. Let's do it. Let's the do it. The first question from CB Joycey. He says, question number one, does anyone have a discount code? <laughs> For a three pair boxes of briefs from Skims. <laughs> We're not doing that again. Mo, Mo has that. Mo, Mo takes care of all of those requests. Next question. Enter code Mo for a 0% discount. Um, next question from AP. He says, apart from just time, what else does Scoot need to look more? What else does Scoot need? 
So, man, I couldn't get my words out today. Yes. Apart from time, what else does Scoot need to look more comfortable running point guard as a rookie in the NBA? Now, you're the point guard guru, BJ, so I'm going to leave this one to you. Yes. Well, the the hardest transition, the hardest transition to make in all of basketball, in my opinion, is the lead guard position. And Scoot is under tremendous amount of pressure to, one, make the transition becoming a amateur to a professional player. In addition, now the responsibility of learning how to manage a game, managing personalities, different players, different coaching. And by the way, he's playing against superior competition now. Well, to, to be he, fair, he he wasn't an amateur. He played for the G League Ignite before. So technically, technically, he's, he's yeah, been a professional. Okay. Technically, he has been a professional. Technically, he hasn't played professional basketball. <laughs> okay. Well, the, I mean, he got the, paid, the, so he is yeah, a professional. But the level of play and the caliber of, of athlete that he's playing against now, but, he's clearly not the best athlete on the floor. Yeah, and, so and this is also he, what I wanted to say just before you continue, is he ended his season in March and didn't play the rest of the season. And then I don't think he really played Summer League. So that extended period away from basketball as well. And then coming in just for preseason, a couple of games before the season gets underway, that may also have an impact. But please continue. It's going to take some time from for him, and and the reason I say that is because this is, you know, for some of us it takes you know five or six games. For some of us, it'll take a year. For some of us, it'll take even longer than that. However, I think he has an opportunity to be a really good player. Because he looks like he likes to play. I'm not going to make too big of a deal about this because some of the great players who've gone on to have NBA Hall of Fame careers, I've seen the same step. The thing that makes it interesting about him is because, you know, he has played technically professional basketball. However, you can see the difference between the G League and the NBA. There's a huge difference believe it or not, between when you see Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard yeah. than what he saw last year in the G League. Now, you know, he did he play against the best competition available? Yes, he did. Did he dominate? Yes, he did. However, that doesn't always mean it's going to translate. And that's what you're seeing. We're actually seeing the educational process play itself out in real time in the NBA, which – for better or for worse, maybe you haven't had an opportunity to see this because guys stayed in college for two or three years. Guys were coming off the bench for a couple of years before you threw them out there against the frontline players, meaning the starters. So here we are. But I think he's going to be fine. However, you could see the difference now between the G League and the NBA. There's a huge difference. And it goes back to what you were saying about the athletes. I was watching the game, uh, the Palazers playing against the Sixers, and he was being guarded by Tyrese Maxey, who's not known as the best defender in the NBA. But Maxey's quickness, he's probably never been guarded by a player with that level of quickness just to be able to cut off his driving lanes, you know, force him in certain directions. So I think as well, keep conditioning his body in terms of when you've been the best athlete on the floor, you can sometimes, I'm not saying this is Scoot in particular, but there is a tendency for some players that when they're a superior athlete, they can get lazier in other elements of the game. Not lazier, but they can rely on the athleticism to get them a bucket, to get them a win. Uh, whereas now, where everyone's a great athlete in the NBA, that's going to be tougher to do. 
Um, the next question comes from Louis Drew 21, who says, should Jimmy Butler ask out and who could potential suitors be for the Miami Heat star? Now, I don't see a world in which he asks out of Miami. He seems pretty happy down there in Miami. And if I'm not mistaken, there's no tax in Florida on his income. Um, Miami's a great place to live. He d- chose to go there. Um, but what do you think about the situation, BJ? You, you know, it, it, it. as they say, Mo, you can run, you know, but you can't hide. You can run. No matter where you go in this league, you got to show up and perform. So I admire the guys who accept the challenge. And you accept the challenge of one, responsibility for the organization. If you're going to be the best player, you have to expect ex- accept that responsibility. And you have to be accountable, not only for your for yourself, but your teammates and the organization. So right now, this summer, their names were, you know, when I say they, the Miami Heat, they were in trade discussions all summer. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. In this case, it didn't happen for them. Two summers ago, they decided to not make a move and they get to the NBA Finals. So clearly, they know something down there in Miami and they're doing something right. And do I think Damian Lillard would have been a huge coup for them? Absolutely. Do I think that would have been a great pickup? Absolutely. But it didn't happen. So you don't complain. And we must remember, Tyler Hero didn't play all of last year. And he's a pretty good player. And clearly, they value him. Mm -hmm. They value Tyler Hero to where he was not included in a trade that could have just in the rumors. (laughs) Yes, in the rumor section. So let's see what what happens. I I love what... Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo have done down there. And Eric Spolstra, you know, Eric Spolstra, as you know, is one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite people. Forget the coaches. He's one of my favorite people and what they've done down there in Miami. So it's one thing I can say. And Pat Riley, we trust. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley, we know. We know this about Pat Riley. There is no rebuild. <laughs> there is no tanking there with him. And they're going to figure it out. But. They have to figure it out on their terms. Yeah. And their terms would mean they're not going to part with two players, I think, which is Jimmy Butler, unless they can get something back that's equivalent to that, and Bam out of Bayou. And then everything else, they will figure out how to piecemeal that together. So I'm going to be patient with them. They deserve, they've earned that patience from me and that respect for me to never question what they're doing down there in Miami. Well, the one thing I didn't like was Jimmy Butler choosing to rest on just the third game of the season against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, You're three games in. You had a horrible performance against the Celtics. There is absolutely no need to be resting in Minneapolis in the next game. Um, The next question comes in from Charlie. He says, will Jarrett Allen's comeback even help the Cavs? They seem completely lost. Has Mitchell hit his ceiling as a player? So there's there's a few different parts to that. And we break it down step by step. Jarrett Allen's comeback will definitely help the Cavaliers because it makes them bigger every position. Last last night against the Knicks, or two nights ago for you guys when you hear this, mm-hmm. they were playing Mobley at the center and then they were playing Okoro. Um, and, and was it Dean Wade who was in the starting lineup? Um, alongside yes. him. So having... D-Wade. D-Wade was in the starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't talk about the real D-Wade's time with the Cavaliers because that was, that was what it was. Um, but Mobley really struggled in that game. And obviously he's more of a four than a five, even though he can play that five spot. So I think having Jarrett Allen back will help Evan Mobley. 
Um, but Charlie says they seem completely lost. What have you made of the Cavaliers season so far? Well, I haven't watched the Cavs as closely this year in the first three or four games. But if I remember correctly, Darius Garland has been out. Jared Allen has been out. Yep. And so that's made a huge difference in their team. So I'm not going to put too much stock in their slow start and they're playing people out of position and they're trying to keep this thing together. I think even Donovan Mitchell has missed a game or two in their first two or three games. Okay. What do I make of the Cleveland Cavaliers? They're a very talented group. And as you know, Mo, the best ability is availability. And right Mm -hmm. now, until all of their players get back on the court, I'm not going to make too much because they have very talented players. Darius Garland is an all-star. Donovan Mitchell, all-star. Jared Allen, I think he's been an all-star. Evan Mobley, you know, I think I think very highly of him. I'm waiting on him to have a breakout year. So I'm not going to make too big of a deal about it. However, they are one of the teams I'm looking for this year to take a step and step into the upper echelon of the NBA in the in the upper tier uh, of the conference and, and really advance past the first round. They have talent. They have size. They have length. They have terrific scores, backcourt. They've added a little depth this year in free agency with Matt Struess and all of those guys. So, you know, it's early in the season, a little disappointing to say the least. Not We're not going to run from that. However, I think over time their talent will take them to where they want to be. Um, do you think that – Donovan Mitchell has hit his ceiling as a player because, in, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know where he can take his game that he's going to improve from what he's been doing the last couple of years. But do you think there's still room for improvement in Spider's game, or do you think this is him at his peak now? Well, Mo, I, I've said this for years, but clearly no one's listening to me. Oh, I know. I think Donovan Donovan Mitchell is a is a is a lead guard. Donovan Mitchell is a lead guard. So we, you think he needs to leave Cleveland because Darius Garland? Yeah. Do you think he needs to leave Cleveland well, to be his is, best self? This is the best version of Donovan Mitchell is the following. Donovan Mitchell plays much bigger than what he really is. He's only about 6'2 or 6'3. And the fact that he can play against bigger players and still be this effective to me is like, wow. Now, Donovan Mitchell is playing against 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", players, and he can go over the top of those players and play and finish at the rim and do all those things. He can create enough space. He's quick. He has terrific handles. He's strong, athletic. He can do all of those things. However, what is that? What is his impact on on the game? Because he puts up terrific individual numbers. Can't argue that. I mean, he is a... He is a every year he's an all-star player. He's an all-star caliber player. He's one of the the best players in the league, but something is not translating because of the numbers that he's putting up. Okay. In my opinion, what's not translating? He is to me the same version of a player like James Harden. And one of the things I learned with James Harden was when you put James Harden as the two. Now he catches the ball on the wing and he is doing his James Harden thing. When Mike D'Antoni put the ball in James Harden's hand, he forced James Harden to pass the ball because he had the ball not as the second pass. He had it as on the first, first dribble. Pass. Yeah. On the first pass. First Bringing dribble. the ball up himself. Yes. Donovan Mitchell can get a shot anytime he wants. 
So in my opinion, put the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hands and force him to see nine people every time he touches the ball and not an isolation and not an ability, a time to score. Now, I think that forces Donovan Mitchell to be the best version of himself because Donovan Mitchell can pass the ball. And I remember, I was like, James Harden isn't a point guard. But I remember Mike D'Antoni saying, he's so good on the offensive end that I have to force him to see everyone so that he can figure out and trust his ability to pass, to shoot, and figure out what he needs to do. And James Harden went on to what? Win an MVP and da-da-da-da-da-da. I think you have to do the same things with, with Donovan Mitchell. That's just my opinion. Okay. Because so he's so good. With as that an offensive being player. said, do you think then he needs to leave the Cleveland Cavaliers? Because Darius Garland I, I don't, is there. I don't Darius know. Garland, you can't put it at the two. Otherwise, you get into the exact same situation all over again. Okay. So I'm not saying you need to trade Darius Garland. What I'm saying is make Donovan Mitchell the lead guard. Put the ball in his hand. Force him to have to play with the other four guys on the offensive end. So you want Force more Darius do. Garland off ball? Whatever you need to do, right? It, 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 they, they said today's game is interchangeable players, right? That's what they said. So does it really matter? To some players, it does matter because Donovan Mitchell is too good of a player to not include the other players. That's So in our era what they did with the great players is they forced them to play into a system. They forced them to play in an offense where it's an inclusive offense, pass ball movement, player movement. It forced the great players to play with the other four guys. Now, Mo, what is the thing we're doing now? Pace and space, pace and space. Why do we want the space so that the great player can play isolation basketball? Well, Mo, if you're catching the ball and you're a great player on the wing, and you see the space, it's only natural that you do what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's so instead of bringing the problem to the surface, let's figure out how to put this all together. This young man, Donovan Mitchell, should be the lead guard and force him to have to say what we talked about earlier with Scoop Henderson. The hardest thing to learn in this league is when to pass and when to shoot. You can ask any player. <laughs> you're watching Wimbin Yama, who I'm sure we're going to talk about later. His hardest uh, thing You'll find is a way to talk about him. <laughs> win the pass and win the shoot. And that comes Every with what experience player, is, that is the solution. That just comes with learning the game. But more importantly, you have to be open to, to, this, to the lessons of the game. If you want to win and you're a great player, you have to learn when to pass and when to shoot. That's a fact. Like... That just comes with the responsibility that comes with it. So as we're looking at Donovan Mitchell and the maturation of Donovan Mitchell and the evolution of Donovan Mitchell, if he were to ask me, I would say there's nothing wrong with how you play. We're always looking for players who can break down the defense and penetration. Dribble penetration is a, is one of the principles of a sound offense. However, when you do it means something because you have, the, you have the ability to do it more often than most. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to do this in a way that influences the outcome of the game. And to me, because he's so good at it, I would love to have the other teams opposing lead guards, meaning smaller players, 
play against him. Instead of Wiggins, for instance, if he plays the Golden State Warriors, I'm going to match him up with Steph Curry. To me, that makes a difference so, in so the outcome what, of the game. Where do you put Darius Garland, though? You can – substitutions. You okay. can – Okay, so but there's a starting lineup-wise. If you've got Donovan Mitchell matched up with Stephen Curry, you've then got the Darius Garland, who's even smaller than Donovan Mitchell, then being guarded by a Clay Thompson or an okay, Andrew Okay, so, so for instance. Okay, so all right. I, as a coach, I can get the matchup that I want. As a coach, I can get the matchup that I want. What's the point of having players? This is a positionless league, right? Isn't that the thing we're all saying? Well, we say all these things. He's a he's a he's a three D scorer, and you know all these stuff <laughs> you say. Okay, if you say it and we don't do it, what's the point of being it? So, what's the point of having these players who can play different positions and we don't let them play different positions? Okay, what's but- the point? So, so all right. I want this is the matchup I want to explore. All right. Well, let's figure out during the course of the game how to get the matchup. Doesn't matter who starts. It just matters if I can get 25, 30 minutes a night with the favorable matchup that I want. That's a check and bonus for me. So, in my opinion, now I'm not coaching the team. I'm just saying, in my opinion, there isn't a smaller guard that can has the size and the strength to play against Donovan Mitchell at 6'3 and, and, and below. Like, I just think he is a terrific athlete at his size. However, I would love to have him play against smaller players mm-hmm. because I think that just gives him a, a, a huge – like, he's playing against – there's a difference between him playing against Mike Conley and Anthony Edwards. Same game. Now, how do I get that matchup, though? Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? I know what like you're saying. Be, how do I get the matchup that I want? But for the listeners at home, how are you getting to that matchup? I'm getting substitutions. It's simple. Screening on ball, screening off ball as well. well screen, I, I, Everyone just switches. You nowadays. and I, you I and I watch. You and I watch the finals. You and I watch the finals where Ty Lu, the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Golden State Warriors. Ty Lu and Steve Kerr. Yep. It was a chess match. Mm-hmm. They said we want this matchup, Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. and they screamed just like you said, Mo. Till they got the matchup they wanted, and doesn't matter where Steph Curry was at, they brought him to the screen to force the to force the switch. There's a million ways to do this. Substituting, starting, and trading, yeah, that's an option. However. I think Darius Garland is a terrific player. I think he's a terrific player. However, we do live in an era, Mo, just for our listeners, called small ball era. So I don't think there's a problem with them playing small. However, I do love the fact that Donovan Mitchell is an advantage. My best player gives me an advantage. That's why he's a great player. So Mm -hmm. I think there are... Hundreds of ways to get to it. Screening, substitutions, offensive sets, different lineups, different strategic things you do during the course of the game. There are thousands and thousands of ways. Well, not thousands, but there is a there are a lot of different ways to get to a matchup. And I think with Donovan's talent, I think he has the ability to create an advantage for your team, especially on the offensive end. 
just because he has the ability that great players have. He can break down any defense and get into the lane and create a shot for himself or his teammates. That leads us perfectly into the next question. Okay. CB Joycey also has another question, aside from the discount code on Skims Underwear. He wants to know, <laughs> if the PG position is traditionally more of an organizational floor general, how is it decided who is the tactical driver on the floor if the point guard position is basically being phased out now that we're moving towards positionless basketball? Because we're not seeing guys, you know, that are floor generals that we knew. Um, you know, you don't really have that prototypical mold of the, the point guard that operates, you know, look at the Warriors, for example. Draymond Green on offense is more of the point guard than Stephen Curry, who's more of a scoring guard. So uh, the, the question here is, um, how do teams decide that, PJ? Well, here, here's the biggest difference. Lead guards in our era were decision makers. Okay, what does that mean? You would come down to court and you would decide. You had to you would decide, am I going to pass to Horace Grant? Who is open or Michael Jordan, who is open on the other side? I made a decision and I said we used to have a theme. We say know your personnel, KYP, know your personnel. All right, you run a single double. Am I going to get Scottie Pippen coming off the curl or am I going to wait and patiently let the, let's say, Jordan or somebody coming off the double screen? Know your personnel. You know, is Craig Hodges coming off who's a better shooter or am I going to look for John Paxson? Yeah, but the question here okay. is asking the person with the ball. How do the teams the decide okay. who okay. gets that so responsibility? So now, now what has happened is now they're just reads. Yeah. Okay, there's a difference between a read off of a screen. You come off a screen now, and I and I, I, I study how people teach the game. As a guard, I looked at the personnel. Who am I, who's setting the screen for me? Is this a pick and pop guy? Is it a pick and roll guy? Is it a guy that really can't score? I, I knew personnel. Now you come off and you just look for a read. Well, you know you have a guy. Every every team knows I have two guys in the corner, <laughs> a guy at the top. Yeah, and yeah, the guy, yeah. What's I, the name but, but what I think the, the question here is asking, though, let's say we take the example of the Warriors, right, and and Draymond being more of that point guard who's directing. Jay, Draymond just had, and right. I'm answering the question. But the question I'm is asking it. who makes that decision. Was it the coach? Because Was it Draymond himself? The, the, Did the players just figure it out naturally? The, the coaches have taught the players just to make the read. Here's the read. The, uh, you, every team, if you watch a game, the player's just coming off. He's just making a read. Okay, if this guy helps, pass it to this guy. If this guy helps, pass it to that guy. You're not playing personnel. Like, you're not playing. We, we were different. You actually, John Stockton was personnel. Yeah, okay. Jeff Hornacek is open, but I'm getting the ball in this situation to to Carl Malone. Yeah. <laughs> you follow me? Yeah. Don't come off and tell me here was the right read. See, we didn't say that. Well, this guy helped, so I passed him because he was open. And? <laughs> okay. Will Purdue was open. 
So that's the right read? No. <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. Shout out to Will Purdue, man. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? No. Will knew that, that it was my job to make, to get the ball to give us the best chance. That's the difference. Now, today's players are making the right reads. Like, I'm, I've just taken that out of the game. Like, I've just taken personnel out of the game, and now you're, you're calling, literally, they call it plug and play. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants a stretch four. Everyone wants shooting. Everyone wants the same thing. I want a player who can play with pace and space. Like, Mo, it's impossible for all for all of us to be playing a certain same way if what I'm saying is not true. Watch the NBA. Everyone mm-hmm. is shooting threes. Everyone is running a five-out offense. The, the out-of-timeout plays are the same. Get the ball to your best so, player. So let me ask isolation. you this. If a player comes in who has the ability that you're talking about to read the personnel rather than just making that, you know, obvious read through the flow of the offense, is it the player who's just demonstrating that and the coaching staff takes notice of it? Or do the coaching staff know that they've got a guy who can do that and they say, here's what we want you to do? Well, if you notice, if you notice and you if you speak to coaches, one of the interesting things about today's game is every coach will tell you. And if you look at the teams now, all the teams that are expected to win are veteran players. Mm-hmm. They're a veteran lace team. So what does that mean? They have enough ex- experience now to make a translation from regular season reads to when you get to the playoffs, you got to know your personnel because I have enough time to prepare for you. And that's why the playoffs are always interesting is because we say this every year, Mo, the game always reverts back to what it is. If it reverts back to matchups, personnel, scouting reports, and who can match up and who has an advantage for who. Okay, that's the beautiful thing about the playoffs. It isn't just a one-game knockoff. It's a seven-game series. So that forces you to say, okay, Oh, they were successful on a screen roll. Why were they successful? Oh, we had the wrong matchup on the defensive end. We're going to change up our defensive scheme on this to see how they counter that. That's the chess match that we love in the NBA. That's what makes the NBA such a beautiful game because, Mo, we can get the right matchup. And then you finally get to a point where it doesn't matter what you do. I can counter that. That's called a skill set. (laughs) yeah okay so nvm you see certain players that have the capability to adjust their game and you see certain players that don't okay you see certain players who will get to the playoffs and suddenly mo you take away their their gift that they've been able to do and they can't counter that so all we like to say in the playoffs any weakness that you have with your team or your game will be displayed in the playoffs. Why? Because these coaches are so good defensively that they'll take away the option number one, option number two, and then option number three. That's why we always highlight the great players because some of these players are so good, Mo, that it doesn't matter what you do, they will find a way to exploit any type of defense. Some of them, Mo, believe it or not, they're, they're, they have such high basketball IQs. They're just playing with the game. Like Giannis, he's seen every defensive scheme. 
Kevin Durant has seen every defensive scheme. LeBron James, there isn't a defensive scheme that you're going to show these guys that they're not going to respond to. However, a, a player like a young player like Wimbenyama, he's just learning what, oh, well, this is, oh, I've never seen that before. And some nights he will look confused. Watching, watching Scoot Henderson right now, he has never seen defensive transitions like this. He's never seen this before. So it takes time to learn this, learn the personnel, but more importantly, to learn what are available options in any given moment. You know, one of, I remember Jason Kidd, when he first came into the league, you were just amazed at his ability to pass the ball ahead. Like, he just passes ahead. The last time I saw a player like that, I was like, when I saw Lonzo Ball, I was like, oh, he's a young player. Who taught him how to pass the ball ahead like that? Like, Mo, it's, it's, it doesn't mean you always get assists, but he understood the spacing on the floor as a lead guard, as a young player. Like, he walked into the door with that, and you're like, oh. Like, I didn't learn that to, like, year two or year three. He walked right into the door, passing the ball ahead to his players. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy has a real gift. Like, he understood that aspect of the game. So he understood what Magic Johnson understood. He understood what Mark Jackson understood. John Stockton. Some of the great players understood that. And Lonzo Ball is, like, the last one to have seen that. That I've seen that just walked into the door with it. So it takes time over these players to understand that. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we've got today to answer questions. We've got plenty more and we'll be back tomorrow answering the rest of them. As I said earlier, if you want to join the conversation, have your question answered. The link is in the description to join the Discord where you can join the channel and submit your questions. BJ, we'll be back tomorrow with more. And um, I'm sure we'll find a way to talk some more Wembenyama. I had to cut it short there because I, I know I was coming. So we're going to save that for tomorrow. But in the meantime, you guys Please. want to do subscribe. Let's talk about Vic. Let's talk about Vic. Um, I got, got, a, I got a nickname about. for Vic. I'll save it for the next podcast. Right, I got right, a nickname right, for right. Vic. Right, the people are waiting. But in the meantime, subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and most importantly, get buckets. <laughs>